What is good, guys? Welcome to the Top House Takes, where we analyze and break down sports games from the week, as well as reactions and predictions from this past week. I'm Hansel Chu along with Katie Mutambit, and we have a lot to talk about, so let's get started. Oh, yes, we do. All right, so Thursday night game, we had the Chiefs against the Chargers, where the Chiefs won in a really thrilling 27-24 win. And, you know, let's talk about it. So for the Chiefs side, how, how would you grade Patrick Mahomes, Kaden? Well, we've seen Patrick Mahomes over the last few years thrive with his the production from his wide receivers and tight ends, but down Tyreek Hill, it's a little different for him. So I think he's still getting adjusted with the new look offense with Juju, who didn't receive as many targets as he did week one as well. And so it'll be interesting to see how they'll do in the future. But for now, they got the job done and looking to move on to the next. Of course. I mean, for me, I think Mahomes, I think he had a solid A. A solid A. I'll give him a solid A. I mean, today, I mean, that night he proved that he's the best quarterback in the league, no doubt. I mean, 235 passing yards, two touchdowns. And like like you said, he doesn't need Tyreek Hill. He kind of proved that. And he was more patient, I feel like. Because when he had Tyreek, you know, everyone kind of thought he just force-fed Tyreek, force-fed Kelsey. And, you know, without Hill, I think it kind of made him have to look into the defense, kind of read what the defense is giving him. And they kind of proved into that game. Ten different players caught a pass from Mahomes in that game. That includes the running backs, other tight ends, other wide receivers. When you don't need Tyree Kill, it kind of you gotta play strategically. You gotta see what the defense gives you. Exactly. And looking back on it, Kelsey didn't have the best of games either. He had five receptions for around fifty yards. And while that's not bad by any means for Travis Kelsey standards, we know that he's capable of more than that. And for being his number one target and Juju not performing to expectations, there were a lot more wide receivers that saw opportunities. I believe Sky Moore was involved more, and we saw Valdez Scantling a little bit too. Oh, yeah. It was just a good good sight to see Mahomes targeting multiple different wide receivers. Of course, and I think they're also like utilizing Mahomes not to like they're i think they're like conserving mahomes a little more they're utilizing more of the run game 18 total rushing attempts for you know for the chiefs in that game that included six different players having a carry so that includes jack mckinnon clyde edwards hilaire you know the rookie isaiah um isaiah was it bancaro or something like that <laughs> but i mean they have all these different yeah, yeah. players you know carrying the b- ball giving different like rushing attempts different touches and for, as a defensive coordinator for any given week i feel like that's kind of hard to game plan with all these different weapons now because yeah. tyreek hill is not there it's kind of hard for defensive coordinators to target all right like who's mahomes passing to this week who's getting the ball this week and you know good for mahomes this is why you know he's showing he's the best in the league and Honestly, what do you think for about the Chiefs' defense? Because I think they played phenomenal in that Thursday night game. What do you think? I In that game against the Chargers' offense, they although Mike Williams did go for a very, very nice game, I think that they showed out. I think that the defensive line, especially, were pressuring um, Justin Herbert, as we saw. He sustained an injury, unfortunately, and we can dive into that a bit later. But, um, yeah, I was very surprised to see the Chargers' defense work to that um ability and they definitely performed oh yeah i mean that secondary look elite despite the loss for tyron matthew which i thought you know i thought it kind of hurt the chiefs a little bit but i i mean i didn't know they had this much depth like including Jalen watson we saw that 99 yard pick six we could talk about that a little later too whose fault it is but i mean the pass which we saw in like the last couple minutes when the game-winning drive from herbert i mean that guy was just getting hammered all over the field 
I mean, he was being pressured. He was getting out of the pocket. I mean, we saw his injury. It looked kind of bad, but that was because like that passer was just going through that offensive line, which I thought was kind of surprising because PFF have- had them pretty high. Yeah. What do you think about that one right there? Well, we know the Chargers' offensive line as they drafted last year, um, in Rashad Slater. Yeah. Um, that I think I thought they were gonna be able to hold the Chiefs' defensive line pretty much, but yeah. you know, you're full, that's full <laughs> of surprises, and so I guess the Chiefs just um went kept going through them and eventually kept getting to the quarterback, and I think that's the difference in how they won this game. Oh yeah, and going back to the secondary, and like you touched on earlier, Mike Williams did have a phenomenal game. But if you really look into the stats, look into the game, he only had that mainly throughout the first half. In the second half, the Chiefs secondary, they made a great defensive adjustment to kind of lock him down and force, you know, Herbert to throw to other people like Joshua Palmer, um, you know, Gerald Everett, kind of like that. And for the Chiefs, I feel like that's what they wanted. They wanted Herbert to throw the ball elsewhere. And, I mean, it sucks that Keenan Allen wasn't there. That would have been a great weapon for, for sure. Herbert to throw to. But, I mean, shout-out to the defensive coordinator. They were able to shut down Mike Williams in that second half. And I think that also led to a huge reason why the Chiefs won that game and the Chargers didn't blow them out. Because we saw, what was it? I think the Chargers were up 17-7, correct? Yeah. So, I mean, it was a great adjustment from them. They were able to shut him down. And then offense, you have Mahomes. What could go wrong, you know? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the Chargers side today, um, for the Thursday night game. Justin Herbert... I don't know. Despite the loss, I think he played phenomenal. I'm going to give him an A-plus, to be honest. Yep. There's not only so much he can do. 334 passing yards and three touchdowns. And, of course, he also had the interception, which could be controversial. We'll talk about that in a bit. Again, like Mahomes, Herbert spread the ball to everyone. Eight different players caught a pass from Herbert. What do you give Herbert on that game today from Thursday night? Um, I say I'll give him an A. I think he played very, very well, except... I think he could have utilized his mobility a little bit more uh-huh. in trying to maybe, like, get around, like, the pressure was coming. I think he settled in the pocket a little too much. But, you know, maybe he's more comfortable in the pocket. And if he were to go out, it was just not, like, ideal because maybe the pass rushers were, like, just pressuring him toward going and staying in the middle. I'm not too sure, to be honest. But I guess, overall, the takeaway that I would say from that is that I think he should utilize his mobility because he is a... He's able to throw on the run, just like Mahomes. Oh, yeah. It's not, like, on a similar tier, you know? And yeah. so I think he should definitely utilize that more in his game. Yeah, and let's go to that play where we have the most controversy that Herbert pick six to Jalen Watson for the 99-yard touchdown. I think that was, I think we all know that was the turning point of the game. The game was tied 17-17, to and then at around the one-yard line, two-yard line in the red zone, Herbert threw that pick six to Jalen Watson. Who do you blame right there? Justin Herbert, Gerald Everett, or the coaching staff? I got to go with the play calling on that one. I think you're on the one-yard line. I know you guys have a lot of weapons, but you have Austin Eckler, who can be used as a power back on the one-yard line. I don't think you should be throwing it in the first place. Mm -hmm. But if you were to throw it, throwing it on an outside pass for where the defender can easily just jump in front and steal the ball is not a good idea, especially when you have no one back to try and... God, recover yeah. the interception yeah i mean <laughs> honestly it goes all three sides but i'm gonna go with you right there the coaching staff i mean we saw that clip from gerald Everett. he needed a sub he caught two straight passes from herbert the play two plays right before that interception and he was motioning on the sideline like okay i need a i need a sub like i'm tired and what did brandon staley do say oh let's hurry this up let's hurry the offense up and 
it honestly cost them because they try to get the Chiefs offside, try to get them, you know, scrambling on defense, but it turned out for the worst because Gerald Everett, he was not ready. I mean, he was too tired to even run a route. I think it was maybe like an out route, but yeah. I mean, he was too tired. You kind of seen the footage. He was, you know, like, honestly, he was almost walking that route. And for Jalen Watson, it was like cookies. Easy for him to pick that off. So, I mean, yeah, it's the coaching staff too, but I think Herbert also... He's the quarterback. I'm pretty sure quarterbacks have a lot of say in the offensive play calling, unless you, unless you're Steve Carroll. I mean, Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson. We can talk about it another day, but I mean, I'm pretty sure Herbert had a lot of power in the offense to hey, let's you know slow it down. Let's they're only on the one yard line. This is do or die. They're tied. This is for them to win the game. And unfortunately, that happened. So I think it goes all three sides. Herbert needs to be a little bit more sure. You know, he needs to take more control of the offense because that's just inexcusable right there at the one yard line. You know, you got to make sure the play calling is right. Gerald Everett, I mean, there's nothing much he can do, but, I mean, I guess <laughs> he can maybe get in front of the ball and do something. Yeah, not much what you can yeah. do if you're tired, need a sub, and you can't yeah. get subbed out. And so. for the play calling, I mean, it just needs to be a lot better. That's just inexcusable right there. That's a Chargers moment right there. It is. I mean, you're almost about to win the game and then you just allow that to happen you can't allow that to happen especially with the AFC West right now you need all the games you could get especially exactly. with the division how stacked it is oh yeah all right and let's move on to the Miami Ravens game and the what game. a game that was wow. <laughs> I mean it seems very exciting you want to talk about that first right now oh yeah um where do I even start man um Lamar impressed he looked like himself out there and all I have to say is that that extension that he was trying to sign and never came to agreeing to, that's going to end up biting the Ravens. Oh, for sure. I mean, for the Ravens, Lamar Jackson, again, like you said, he deserved to be paid. He deserves to sign that extension. For sure. On that day, 318 passing yards, three touchdowns, no interception, and 119 rushing yards, one touchdown. I mean, that's a phenomenal game. I'm not sure how much more perfect you can get. He's doing everything he can for a quarterback, except for catching, which you can't even do that for a quarterback. If he wanted to, I'm pretty sure he would have won the game. I'm going to be honest with you, if Lamar Jackson could catch the ball somehow, some way, the Ravens are going to the Super Bowl. I mean, he did everything he could. He passed the ball. He ran. Like, what more can he want from a quarterback? No interceptions. A perfect game from Lamar Jackson. But unfortunately, this is not enough. Exactly. And I think, like, within this offensive system, you have the targets. Like, Mike, Mark Andrews, sorry. Nine, rece- <clears throat> nine receptions, 104 yards, and a touchdown. Rashad Bateman, four receptions, 108 yards, and a touchdown. We're seeing the emergence of who the main targets are going to be within this offense. And I think for that, the thing that they should focus on next is trying to ensure that their defense is able to withhold powers like the Dolphins, like offensive strengths like that. Like we saw moments where Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle would just flat out take over. Whether it's also Tua had a great impact on that as well, finding them whenever they're open, and they were open a lot. And so I think they definitely have some things to work out in the uh, Ravens secondary, and we'll see how they change and game plan next week. Oh, yeah. I mean, for Lamar, yeah, like like I said again, there's only so much he can do, but the fourth quarter, let's talk about that fourth quarter because (laughs) the Dolphins outscored the Ravens 28-3. And in the game of football, it always goes both sides. doesn't matter if you're playing defense or offense. With how hot Lamar was, how come you think he only scored three points in that fourth quarter? And that was just off of a field goal in the last minute. So throughout that whole 15 minutes, or basically 13 minutes, he, only, he was only able to score three points. What do you think happened right there? I think it could be a combination of a couple things, starting with the fact that 
I feel like they may have thought that the game was out of reach going into the fourth quarter with such a lead. You don't see it typically getting like the uh, the other team coming back and eventually winning the game. So I think it was a sense of they relaxed a little bit and that's what let them back into the game. But it's also the fact that they the Ravens def I mean not the Ravens defense, the Dolphins defense began to lock down and they were getting stops exactly when they needed and it translated on offense. Their opportunities came and they capitalized. I mean, yeah, I agree. Like, I think the play calling got a little too conservative, and especially that momentum. Like we saw, was it another, like two, basically two sixty-yard bombs from Tua to Tyreek. I think that really rattled that Ravens offense, put them in a lot of pressure. And you know, when you're on offense, you have a lot of pressure. You tend to overthink things sometimes. Maybe like, oh shoot, do I have to catch this ball? You know, is this defender going to hit me? Am I running the routes right? And from Lamar, it's like, am I making the right read? Do I have to get this first down? How much? farther do I have to go? I mean, if you're Lamar, you're trying not to throw a pick because that would just ultimately ruin the game for you. Try not to turn the ball over. So I think they just got a little too conservative at the wrong time. And I think they're just like, when it was time for them to run their actual plays, it was just too late at that point because then the Miami defense got a lot of momentum. They were fired up. And yeah, it was just over from there. But let's go to Miami right there. I mean, you're down 35 to 14 going to the fourth quarter. What do you think turned it around? I think it came down to one person, and really, Tua Tagovailoa just outshined the entire t- Ravens team pretty much. Like there was, n- like he seemed comfortable, and he seemed like he was relaxed, and that everything he was doing came naturally. He wasn't trying to do anything special or over the top. It was just, it's good to see him with good receivers now because we're seeing him shine. And I know that it is just one game, but. We've seen this in Alabama as well, and people oh, yeah. tend to ignore. A lot of the time, the media tends to ignore the past, and he may have been off to a rocky start coming in as his rookie season and maybe even last season as well, but from what I could tell, this is a con- con- contending team for sure. I'm going to prove you otherwise. I think Tua, he, I, I'm going to give him his props. He did play a phenomenal game. I think he was a great reason why they came back, but if you look over at the overall game, Tua only really went off around that fourth quarter where he was able to pass for over 200 yards to Tyreek and Jalen Waddle. In that first half, I honestly, he did not look great at all. He looked like that quarterback where everyone was kind of clowning him for. And I'm going to be honest, he was proving them right. He had two interceptions, and both of those interceptions were pretty bad. Where he was forcing the ball. It wasn't even about accuracy. It was about decision-making, IQ on the football field. And honestly, it looked really bad. And I'm not going to say, like, the wide receivers carried him, but they honestly kind of did a little bit. And that's also due to Ravens defense. I'm not saying that, you know, the Ravens defense was phenomenal and, like, nothing was on Tua. I'm giving Tua his props right now. He was the main reason why they were able to come back to that game. His leadership skills definitely proved to the whole world, national television, that, hey, I could carry this team. But I feel like this game kind of showed everyone, like, oh, Tua's just, like, Tua, like, Come on, like, we knew he was the best quarterback. Like, we knew that he's better than Mahomes. Tyreek said that Tua is better than Mahomes. Like, he's not. And, like, Tua is, honestly, he's just an average quarterback. Just had a phenomenal game with Tyreek and Waddle. But we got to calm down a little bit. A little overreaction. Tua is not that guy just yet. I want to see him next game. See if he can put a similar number. See if he goes up for over 350 with three touchdowns. And, hey, maybe, all right. Then maybe, yeah, he's actually getting it together. He's getting his 
his IQ up. Maybe he is improving. But I feel like just because, you know, this game where he was just launching it and Tyreek was open, everyone's saying, hey, dude, like, come on, we knew he was a top 10 quarterback. We knew this. They're just proving him wrong. Like, I don't think so yet. We got to calm down a little bit. He's just an average quarterback. Let us show him a few games. Let's see some consistency because right now, Tua's getting overhyped a little bit. If he were to ever get in the position of a top 10 quarterback, now would be the time, though. With given his weapons, given the team's current situation, they're a contending team around the quarterback for sure. But it's his chance for him to prove himself, and I agree with you on that. For sure. And let's talk about that Ravens defense. Like, oh. come on. What are you doing? You're up 35 to 14, mm-hmm. and you let up 28 points in it's the crazy. fourth in quarter. One, in one quarter. Um, I think it starts with their lack of health to start. Well, Marlon Humphrey's still injured, and that's a big loss to their secondary. So just off of that, you don't really have your like leader. Mm-hmm. And I think that plays a big part in them not being able to cover in the secondary. But also, 28 points is too much. Like that's it's inexcusable. You should there's like nothing you could try and back up for a reason as to why that happened. I mean, I don't even know what happened. I'm going to be honest with you. I I'm going to put all this blame on the defensive coordinator. Like you have all these studs on defense. You have the first-round pick, Kyle Hamilton. I mean, going out of college, that guy was deemed as, like, the next Ed Reed, the next Cam Chan. Like, that guy is just all over the field. He's going to make plays for you. I mean, I saw that one viral clip of he just sprinting down sideline to sideline to pick off a pass. Like, everyone's just hyping this guy up to be, a, like, the next best safety in the league. Then we all know the Ravens secondary is always elite. You have Marlon Humphrey, like you said, Marcus Peters, um couple other guys out there. I'm not sure if Marcus Williams is on there or if he's on the Saints. And in, like we know their secondary is elite. You know their pass rush is elite. Patrick Queen, like come on, like you can, this is really inexcusable. Defense. Their they defense have, good... have studs. Yeah. So how are you letting 28 points in the in just one quarter? What do you think? I think it was just again like as we mentioned before. Um, it's just they they were up a lot and they just probably didn't expect them to come back and they probably relaxed a little bit. And, you know, there's there's really no reason why that should happen in the first place. But as you said, if anyone should be responsible, I think it's definitely the defensive coordinator. But you also have to have some liability on the players. I didn't see them performing. These big names, the big name defenses, yeah. the big name, big names on the defense for the Ravens did not show up. And that's really why they lost the game. For sure. I mean, if, again, like if you're the defensive coordinator, not only do you have Tyree Kill to worry about, you also have Jalen Waddle. These are two speedsters that I'm pretty sure any given night they could run under a 4-2 in a 40-yard dash. And we know defensive coordinators scheme around Tyreek. They know, come on, we cannot let the deep ball happen. We cannot let this happen. It's the same thing should be said about Jalen Waddle as well. And lucky for the Dolphins, I mean, their play calling utilizes them great. And they utilize Waddle in a slant offense, short uh, short route running to you know you just speed but come on if you're the defensive coordinator we knew Tyreek Hill's been here for so long you cannot just allow two 60 yard pass touchdowns from Tua to Tyreek in the same quarter minus the fact like there's got to be adjustments again also on the players who like you know it's Tyreek Hill you know where he's going he's going to go deep so why aren't you scheming to go deep why aren't you scheming to go cover the deep field if you know it's Tyreek Hill I don't understand that part I mean, maybe because it was Jalen Waddle going off in that, you know, in that first three quarters where they're like, hey, we may have to press up a little bit on Waddle, but cannot forget Tyreek Hill. That's just inexcusable. We know that he's too fast for anyone to keep up. So I'm not sure why they were just 
like sagging not really sag right i don't know why they were pressing up i'm not sure why they're just letting tyree to go downhill i'm not sure if they're listening to the media or if it was like hey Tua can throw deep let's just you know kind of bait him a little bit like come on he's a quarterback we know he's not great but come on that's just inexcusable for tyree kill to get that much yards off of deep bumps and also one last thing i wanted to touch up on it's really like 28 points for a quarter is pretty insane but it's more so the fact that you only scored three to match it, yeah. which was really the reason that they lost. And I think a good chunk of that, we saw Lamar outrun the Dolphins' defense the entire first three quarters. Yeah, Where was that in the fourth quarter? Mm-hmm. I don't know if they just wanted to ease it or just place like a little more relaxed, which I was talking about earlier, mm-hmm. or what the situation was. But I did not see the same aggression for the Ravens' offense as I did throughout the entire game. And I really think that is probably what costed them. Oh, yeah, I mean, and we'll see next week if uh, the Ravens will, you know, make some adjustments and game plan better to, you know, not let this happen because, I mean, I think they are a top team in the AFC. I think they have a high chance of making it to the Super Bowl this year. But, I mean, stuff like that, you know, it's just inexcusable. That cannot happen, especially if a team looking to make the Super Bowl and with Lamar because, I mean, Lamar might be gone. I'm going to say it out there. He might be gone because that extension did not go through. So, I mean, that was almost like, do or die time championship or bust for the Ravens right now. Yep, yep, for sure. All right, and we'll talk a little bit about the Cardinals and Raiders game. I mean, again, another great comeback. I, mean, I feel like this season's just all comebacks. It week is, one, all comebacks. comebacks. Week yeah. two, all comebacks. I mean, again, the Raiders, they're up 20-0 to zero on the Cardinals when the Cardinals just come storming back thanks to Kyler Murray to take the lead. And they tied the game in overtime in, I don't even know, this guy was scrambling 500 yards throughout the field for Kyler Murray. crazy, yeah. Able to tie the game, went to overtime, and I mean, I don't even know what happened in overtime. Yeah. That was a scoop and score from the Cardinals. Let's just talk about no, yeah. that. Let's just go into the head-on fourth quarter, last few minutes. So, watching this game, I feel like the craziest part is that he was bringing him back. And he scored. they scored the touchdown, and on the two-point conversion, Kyler Murray ran a 20.8 second long play, which is around 18 to 17 more than your average play. And on this play, he ran a total of 84.9 yards, which absolutely baffles me. I mean, that is insane. I mean, when you watch that footage of him just scrambling around, I mean, it's almost comical at that point. I feel like he's just playing with the defense, like... Come on, he's no, just running sure. around. Raiders defense, you gotta be a little bit into that. It's, we know it's Kyler Murray, but still. Yeah. You had two people on the defensive line, I think, on the two-point conversion, and the rest just in the end zone guarding it. Mm-hmm. Kyler Murray's a mobile quarterback. You, you can't be doing that. You know that he has the ability to run into the end zone, and just leaving him for the option to do that is not smart defense. Oh, yeah. I mean, I just want to shout out right now, Kyler Murray... I think he's overhated, man. Come on. I think so, you know, too. I feel like it's because of last year. He had a really poor playoff performance, but we got to know why they got in that first place. Without Kyler Murray, they weren't making the playoffs last year. Without Kyler Murray, they weren't the number one or number two seed in that NFC West team. So without Kyler Murray, they're not a good team at all. Kyler Murray is the cornerstone for that franchise. For sure. And he's being overhated because, what, he plays video games? <laughs> like, come on, everyone has hobbies. And yeah, sure, he could do a little bit more film study, but the only reason why the Cardinals are in this place are in a position of contention as some... Like, the only reason why the Cardinals are in playoff contention is because Kyler Murray. Without Kyler Murray, they're in the draft. 
let me just say it out there. So I think Kyler Murray, shout out to him. He kind of proved a lot of the haters wrong. And I don't know why. Is it because he runs a lot? He scrambles a lot? I mean, that's kind of the day and age of quarterbacks these days. Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, Josh Allen, Mahomes. Yeah. I mean, you can't knock scrambling quarterbacks anymore because I feel like this day and age, you have to scramble to extend plays or else you're not you're not going to find success in the NFL. Unless you're Tom Brady, of course. Yeah, but I mean, Tom Brady ain't <laughs> so coming back no yeah, more. No. <laughs> that's, we'll see after this season. <laughs> and then, I mean, let's go into that overtime. Oh, yeah. Um. So one thing I did want to touch up on before mm-hmm. is that it was a fourth and goal when they did score that touchdown and eventually the two-point conversion after. So they had one more chance and capitalized on both times. And I, it was credit to the Chargers, um, not Chargers, sorry, Cardinals offense. They did what they were supposed to do in scoring and ca- capitalizing on the opportunities given to them. And going into that overtime, I, I I have no words. Like the the um the recovery on the fumble. Yeah. It was crazy. Hunter Renfro um got hit hard off balance and then another or I think it was by Justin Simmons and another hit came in, boom, balls out, game. Just like that. And honestly, not much you can do if you're Derek Carr, but I say this loss is on the um Raiders as a whole, for sure. Yeah, I mean I have to put a little bit of the blame on maybe Carr and Renfro. I mean, it was twice he fumbled the ball. Um, luckily, the first fumble kind of somehow gained yards for them because the ball went forward and they recovered. But come on, the second fumble, it's a little inexcusable. And I believe I mean, yeah. he, he also fumbled in week one. So this is not like new. We're seeing a Hunter Renfro who has some maybe ball security issues. And yeah. that's something you should have to look at if you're the Raiders because can't have any unreliable people like that in your offense i mean that second fumble honestly was just pretty just just pretty disgusting like come on he tries to break one tackle tries to spin and then he gets the ball tapped out i mean you gotta have a little more iq than that you know that you know a turnover and a score loses the game for you Mm -hmm. just go down like just go down you're getting tackled just go down like the best thing you can do is just go down gain some yards like he tried to break the tackle he tried to do like you have one guy on him, tugging on his jersey, and then he tried to spin off of that. And then, like you said, Justin Simmons comes out of nowhere, hits him on the blind side, the ball comes out, scoop and score for the win. And, like, you got to be a little better than that. Again, ball security issues. Same thing with the first one. He got the ball popped out from him. He was running forward. I mean, as a ball carrier, like, you can't just allow someone to just pop the ball. Like, they're not even tackling you. He just, yeah. he just got the ball punched out and from him. I think both... It was, it was a punch both times? It was a punch on the first one. The second one was a strip sack. Yeah. Um, I, I don't I don't know if it's ball security issues or what's keeping Hunter Renfro, but we saw him last year and he honestly thrived in that offense at the wide receiver one before Devontae Adams was coming. Yeah. They were expected to have a very powerful offense with him, Waller, and now Devontae and Josh Jacobs as well. But the I say I say the Raiders offense is looking a little suspect now. I don't oh, yeah. think that Josh Josh Jacobs is a reliable quarter uh, reliable running back. Darren Waller has been getting his fair share of touches, and so there's really nothing you can say about that. Carr has been Derek Carr. Pretty not bad, not I respect him, good. but he's just average. He, he, respectfully, he is a solid quarterback, but I think he's like definitely around top 10, mm-hmm. but he's just like not that guy, you know? Yeah. I mean, for the Raiders, they dropped to 0-2, and I'm not sure if you saw that stat before um, the, the, the games went out for yesterday, but... None of the 0-2 teams last year made it to the playoffs, so this yep. is a troubling sign for the Raiders. Hopefully they could turn it around, but this AFC West is yep. it's, it's going to be a dogfight. 
And listen, I think that everyone was seeing these AFC West teams and noticing how every one of them was looking really good. One was bound to disappoint. I'm sorry. And I do think that the one most likely to is the Raiders. Of course. And, you know, we have two great matchups tonight on Monday Night Football. We do have the Eagles and Vikings and Bills and Titans. Two great games, two rivalry games. Let's put the predictions on the board, Caden. Eagles, Vikings, who do you have on that one? Well, I am one for Jay Jettas, and I love that offense on the Vikings, but the Eagles with A.J. Brown last week teared it up. Jalen Hurts looked amazing. Devontae Smith is coming back, I believe. And that offense looks scary. And the upgrades that they have on defense, just they're, they're looking like a real potential contender. And I think that if they win this game, that they're asserting themselves as the leader in the NFC East. I do. Oh, so you do have the Eagles winning this I one. I do. I have the Eagles winning, and I'll say a score prediction. Um, We'll say 35-28, to 28, the Eagles win. Interesting. I like what you said right there, though. This game does kind of show NFC contention, who's going to be in the lead. I do agree with that because I think both of these teams have a great shot as the number one seed. But I'm going to go with the Vikings for this one because, I mean, Justin Jefferson is just too good. Yeah. We saw I mean, him last week. Yeah. I mean, there's really nothing you could say. Like, he's nothing short of a superstar talent in this league. I mean, this Packers secondary was deemed as the best secondary in football. I mean, they have all these studs, Jair Alexander, Eric Stokes, you know, all these studs as the in the cornerbacks, in the safeties. And then Justin Jefferson says, you know, screw that. I'm just going to go for 200 yards and two <laughs> touchdowns on your head. Like, Crazy. I mean, this guy is just insane. And not even, like, he's not even doing contested catches. I mean, this guy was wide open. Like, mm-hmm. no one 5, 10 feet in front of him. This guy was just wide open. Crazy. And, and he had, like, around, I swear, like, 150 yeah. in the beginning of the half. Yeah, I mean, yeah. this guy is just unguardable, kind of like Cooper Cup. So, just because of that, I'm going to just say the Vikings can go up and they're going to win 28-24. I'm not going to say it's going to be a complete shootout because both of these defense are also really good, too. Let's put it out there. Does Vikings defense hold held... Aaron Rodgers and the Packers last week to like seven points, yep. less than ten for sure. So, both of these defenses are not scrubs at all. So it's going to be a great game. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say it's going to be a shootout because these defenses are great and these offenses are great too. It's going to be a fun game. For sure. But I do have the Vikings winning 28 to 24 for that one. One thing I did want to touch up on really quickly is that um, I think this game could very easily come down to the run game for the Vikings. We haven't seen Dalvin Cook get um, as much involved as he usually is in the offense. I don't know whether that's because of the emergence of Justin Jefferson or because of the like wide receiver dominant play style. But if you're the offensive coordinator for the Vikings, you need to get your superstar running back involved. I, he needs more touches. And I think if yeah. they, he gets more touches, he can definitely have an impact on this game and they could very well win this game. I do agree right there. Yeah, either, either it's going to be a shootout with 300 passing yards each for Hurts or Cousins, or it's just going to be a really, really boring run game that we're going to see. But, hey, it's going to be a great one for tonight. And then we also have Bills and Titans Ooh. for this one. You want to put a little prediction on that one too? Yeah. Um. What's there to say? Derrick Henry's back. He's looking good. And the t- Titans are as good as they've been in the past couple of years right now. Ryan Tannehill behind them. They have a solid roster in their hands too. Um. The only thing though that I do want to talk about is that they do not have as the wide receiver depth that they have had in oh, years yeah. past. And I think that's going to come to bite them. 
on offense, they seem to struggle a lot in the past game because of the inconsistencies both with Tannehill and their targets to, let's say, Robert Woods. I know he's struggling a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, they don't really have a true wide receiver one. So I do think this is going to sway in the Bills' direction. I think the Bills are probably one of the best teams in the league right now. Oh, yeah. And the, Josh Allen is also an MVP candidate in my eyes if he keeps playing the way he is. Of course. So I do think that I will take the Bills 31-20 to 20 mm-hmm. in this game. And yeah. I think this is going to be a lot closer than what a lot of people think. Probably mainly because week one, the Bills just ran through the Rams and the Titans suffered a very honestly kind of embarrassing loss to the Giants. But again, it's also week one. A lot of overreactions. The Titans are not as bad as everyone thinks they are. I know Derrick Henry had a rough game, but again, he is also Derrick Henry. So I think the Bills are still going to win because they are the Buffalo Bills. They're just too good. Josh Allen is... Too much for them. Stephon Diggs is going to go off. But this Titans defense, again, they were one of the top-rated yep. defenses last year. And Kevin Byard's probably t- oh, top yeah. safety in the league right now. So. Oh, yeah. So this Titans defense, they're not scrubs. They are good. They are elite. So they're not going to make it easy for Josh Hans. And mind you, last year, the Titans did win against the Bills. Mm-hmm. So I do have the Bills winning this one, though. It's going to be a close 31-25 win for the Bills. But yeah. do not sleep on the Titans because Derrick Henry will go off for over 100 yards for this game. Mm-hmm. And I think that's definitely, like, a very strong possibility. The thing that gets me, though, I think that the defense for the um, the defense for the Titans will show, as they traditionally have, and they will prove that, oh, they're not a bad defense, as people may think. But yeah. at the same time, I don't see the offense of Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs and Devin Singletary and the rest of them matching up and being equivalent to that of the Titans. And I think the offensive differential is the reason that they will lose this game. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think this is also going to play a big factor on how well this Bills defense is. I mean, we saw, of course, they beat the Rams. Everyone's like, oh, Bills defense, great, number one. But can they stop the run, though? We'll Mm -hmm. see right now. We'll see today if, you know, they're able to stop Derrick Henry. Honestly, if they get him under 75 yards, rushing yards, I think they very well could cement themselves as the best defense in the league. Mm-hmm. Last year were last year, but I feel like last year they were a little overrated. I mean, we know 13 seconds from Kansas City, but yeah, <laughs> we'll see today if the Bills defense really is that elite if they're able to stop Derrick Henry. Yeah, And that's all we have for today. Be sure to tune in next time. I'm Hansel Chu along with Katie Motemid, and we'll see you next time.